0: For this podcast, I'm including another presentation from my successful CD series, Get to Number One in Sales, and Stay There. This presentation is called Selling Isn't Telling. It's treated in much more detail in the Colin Pierce Academy course, Sell More Easier Faster. In that course, it comes up as Chapter Two. If you're already a member, you're probably familiar with it, but if you're not, I'll take a moment to explain how you can become a member and get access to it. If you go to colinpierceacademy.com, you become a member for a ridiculously low monthly subscription, and then you get all the courses, you get included in the community, and the twice monthly members only coaching calls. I hope you join us. Meanwhile, enjoy selling isn't telling. I've given this talk many, many times in countless seminars and conferences, and it never ceases to amaze me how many salespeople still need to hear it. We all talk too much, yes, me included, and we make fools of ourselves. Sometimes we talk so much we lose the sale. In this live recording, you'll hear me talking to a group of multi-level people about selling their products and inviting people to join them. I feel I owe you an explanation so you're not entirely lost. The main product, in fact, was a dairy alternative made from whey called Waylight, and the main selling that these people did was conducted in homes. This client asked me to have some personal involvement so that I knew what it was like firsthand to make presentations myself and teach the people from a first-hand point of view and you'll hear me using those couple of examples during this presentation. So how should you react to this? Well, to start with, you'll get a few laughs, but while you're listening, you can also make a simple transposition of your products and selling situation into the ideas I talk about. Talking too much is a universal problem, so here we are with selling isn't telling. Oh, and by the way, stay listening right to the very end, because you'll hear one of their sales managers upstage me and get me a real beauty. I want to talk to you about not talking so much, which is... uh, (laughs) A special skill, we're to talk about a thing I call breaking the slap cycle, and breaking the slap cycle uh, will become obvious or evident to you in a little while, why I've called it that, but we need to ask ourselves if it's really important to talk so much. I've found above all that this is a very simple business, in fact I said when I first looked at it that it's so simple it's almost dumb and I'm astounded that people make it so complicated and I'm astounded that people can't do it. I'm astounded that people come to a, a presentation, they sign up, they become members, they get some products, they buy the business tools and then they say, but I can't get anybody else to join up. I really wonder why not. I think it's because they make it so complicated and they make it difficult. It's a very simple process. And conversations and selling is a very simple process. Oh, did I say a bad word? Later on this afternoon, I'll talk to you about selling, that selling is a good thing to do. But many people go out of their way in our business to say that they're not selling anything. Somebody talks to them on the phone and they say, what are you selling? And the response comes, oh, we're not selling anything. As if we're good because we're not selling anything. Sooner or later, all the money in the world passes through the hands of salespeople. What's wrong with selling? well I know this bloke is a real jerk at selling, oh well that's different, if we're talking about jerks, that's a different conversation altogether but we're not knocking selling because it's done by jerks. You see many salespeople who mess up the reputation of selling would be jerks even in a monastery on a five year vow of silence. I don't think many people understand that in our country. We've all got the idea that selling is some sort of pox. <laughs> Small, large, or intestinal. It's, there's nothing wrong with selling. More of that later. But if somebody asks you if you're selling something, you don't have a cat over it. It's okay to be found out that you're selling. But a lot of people don't understand that selling isn't telling. Selling is not telling. If you don't write anything else down, write that down, please. Selling isn't telling. Is there anybody here who's fairly talkative? Put your hand up if you're fairly talkative. A sanguine sort of person would probably be more talkative. You can meet others who are talkative. Did you ever have an auntie or a grandma say, uh, like they said of me, oh, Carl, you'll be a salesman when you grow up. You can talk the leg off a chair, dear. Have you ever heard that said? If you said it to your own child you see there's an equation in our mind which says selling is telling if you can talk well you must be persuasive the interesting thing is that the more you talk the less persuasive you are we'll explain later why that is so so I'd like to put this to you that selling is listening through asking questions selling is asking questions and listening Somebody once asked uh, Fred Herman, who was a known speaker in the United States on the national speaking circuit, uh, when he was being interviewed on television, they said, Fred, I believe you can sell anything to anybody, said the interviewer, a Johnny Carson type person. Fred said, well, I've heard it said. And the interviewer somewhat cynically said, well, go on, sell me that ashtray. And Fred said, well, first tell me why you'd want it. And the guy explained it. He said, how much would you be prepared to give me for it? And the fellow explained it. And Fred said, well, I guess I'll let you have it then. (laughs) What did the interviewer expect to have happen? Expected Fred Herman to say, well this is a great ashtray. First of all it's hand plated in silver backed glass. So that when you drop your ash in it it looks like there's more ash and so the maid comes and cleans it out quicker so you have less smells in your house. Secondly, this is a tremendous ashtray because it has room for seven cigarettes around the side. So if you want to smoke seven cigarettes at once and kill yourself more quickly, then you can smoke seven at once and have them all in the ashtray. Or if you have six stupid friends who also smoke, you can (laughs) put them in there. Oh, beg your pardon. I'm quoting a noted doctor, Dr. John Tickell, who said you can't smoke and be intelligent at the same time. Now, I didn't say that. I'm quoting a doctor. That's what the interviewer expected to have happen. But Fred just asked him questions. And it was a great surprise. So let me tell you this. Fred demonstrated that questions save time. To write this down, there are five points here. Questions save time. Questions save patience. Questions save face. Questions keep control and questions make you listen. Well, Fred Herman demonstrated that asking feeler questions will save time. Fred could have told the fellow all those other things that he thought were important but the chap told him why he wanted an ashtray and Fred listened and agreed with him, said they were fair enough reasons. The chap might have said I'd like that ashtray to crumple into small pieces and throw at a public speaker instead of apples. Fred might have thought to himself, well, that's a silly thing to say. He would have said, oh, well, no, that's not actually what they're for. They're for butting as of cigarettes in. But that was the guy's reason, so he let him have it. Finding out what people want and why they want it is a basic fundamental understanding here. Now, as you're rabbiting on when somebody talks to you and asks you a question, you ought to say, am I telling you the kind of thing you want to know? Write these down. These are simple. There's about three of them. Am I telling you the kind of thing you want to know? Have I told you too much? Am I explaining this clearly enough? Is there anything I haven't covered? In most sales encounters, two things take place. A level of interest and a period of time. That's simple enough, isn't it? During a sales interview, usually in partnership selling, Women tend to uh, take interest uh, slowly, stay interested longer and drop off interest slower as well. As I speak, this will become, you'll think I'm drawing parallels about something else. Um, And it's coincidental that that is true. I'm not being vulgar. It just happens to be a good model to keep in your mind. Um, Men reach uh, a level of interest earlier and lose interest quicker and maintain interest at a smaller rate. Now, most salespeople come in, most of us come into a room and they say, well, the thing I really want you to know about this business is that it's a really good business and we go talk, 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 talk. You can make a lot of money. out of this, Joe Jerry Crockford, uh, Barry agreement, in fact, he started 10 years ago and there's uh, Keith Jenkins. they're making a lot of money. It's a lot of interesting things happen. Now, you see what's happened as we've chatted on. We reached a peak of interest with him we're about to reach a peak of interest with her. But he said, listen, I just remembered I've got, to, I've got to go up the pub and pick the footy team for Saturday. And why did he do that? He's lost interest. Because he has other things to do. He says, but keep, keep talking to the missus. So we stupidly keep talking to the missus about, now we change our tack, which and of course, the bread's easy to make and so's the whaler, you just shake it up. And it's very easy and yabba, 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 yabba. An hour and a half later, we come to the point, in most Australian sales conversations, where we do the great Australian selling clothes. We experience dryness of the mouth. <laughs> and we say, whoa what do you reckon (laughs) and she says i'd like to think about it and you say to me that's right they always say that to me (laughs) Have you just met yourself? So, that happens to me all the time. Why? Well, you see, halfway through here, you needed to say, at that point, very early in the presentation, am I telling you the kind of thing you want to know? And the guy says, well, uh, yeah, you going uh, to make a lot of money, and how long would it take you? <laughs> Sign of life, and you've got them both at a reasonable point of interest, haven't you? Now you begin to answer the question, but be careful. Don't go, (laughs) because you'll reach here before you know where you are. A young country preacher went to a country church for the first time. And it was a long way out. And he'd been studying at Moore theological seminary. He knew everything. And he went all the way to uh, some bush country town, Newcastle or something. And when he got there, he said to himself this will be good and he went into the church but there was only one old farmer who came to church and he looked at his watch and he waited and he checked that there was the right time and finally the old fellow took pity on him he said listen son I'll give you a bit of advice here when an old codger like me goes out to feed me cows and only one comes I still feed it so I've come son why don't you feed me that's your job So with glee, the young preacher took to the pulpit and he began to preach as he had never preached in his life. Sermon class laid nothing alongside this. Every thought in his notes gave birth to five more that he hadn't thought of. And he took to his task as fire takes to dry grass. And across that flaming plane of attention, he raced like an inferno. And at the end, after an hour and a half of preaching solidly, he took a breath, mopped his brow and went to the end of the church aisle and shook hands with the congregation who walked out and said, Son, I've got another bit of advice for you.
1: <laughs>
0: when an old codger like me goes out to feed his cows and only one comes, I don't give it the whole flaming truckload. <laughs> Well you may laugh and clap. (laughs) Yeah well uh, my brother-in-law was involved in something like this and uh, these things are a bit shonky aren't they? Right mate, look, just step back a bit. I'll hop out of the cab here and pull this lever and uh, tip all this stuff on your foot. You you and the missus need to step back a bit because you're about to get the whole truckload. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, you mean this is pyramid selling? No, mate, this is not pyramid selling, nothing like pyramid selling. It's sort of not even multi level marketing. It's similar to multi level marketing, not really multi level marketing. And one of the interesting things about this is that it's been outlawed since 1974. They outlawed pyramid selling in 1974, and they haven't done anything like that ever since. And said, so our company's definitely like, no, our company's clear. This is Larry Hanning, Lee Hanning and Larry Hadding. We've got this guy called Neil. he's a wonderful fella, and that's what Neil is like, and he's a bit funny sort of fella. And he goes, oh, we've got these good likes little Jerry Crockford and a, a John Smart. No, Fear you know, we're direct selling association, and multi level association. No, it's Where have you all gone? They're buried under the truckload. (laughs) Silly salespeople think they have to answer every dumb question that the person asks. He's just saying, I'm paying attention, you know. I'm here. (laughs) We'll speak more of that later. And as you're answering a question, as you're talking about the process, he says, Yeah, why'd they headquarter in Brisbane, then? It's a question. See, he's saying... Yeah, I'm interested. Tell us a bit more. Don't get out of the cab and pull the lever. Just say... I don't know, I guess that's just where the people lived and they found that convenient. Does that answer the question? Oh, yeah. Good. Let's go on, then. Shut up. (laughs) You don't have to give huge answers to everything. You don't have to preach for an hour and a half. Our presentations could take seven minutes, if only we would learn not to talk so much. And ask more questions, ask if we're getting through. And don't ask a question as if it infers the person's an idiot. Many questions do. If you say, do you understand this? It's really saying, hey, dum-dum, are you with me? (laughs) Put the emphasis on you and say, am I making this clear? And if they say. Eh? <laughs> Have the boldness to say, I'm not really making it clear, am I? I think there's a bit you don't understand. Where did I lose you? Oh, come to mention it. What did you say after you come in the front door?
1: <laughs>
0: ah, back there, okay, good. By asking questions and clarifying along the way, am I making this clear enough? Am I making sense? Does this come through? Am I speaking into your listening? Then you'll find out. Then if they say, no, you say, well, thank goodness. Tell me what you want to hear. The sound of your footsteps going down the driveway. (laughs) Or they'll say, look, I don't know that we've got the courage, we're pretty frightened little people. I don't know that we could do this as clever as you and that. Careful you don't get out of the cab and lift the truckload lever. Just say, what is it you don't understand? I know there are lots of people just like you who are happily involved in this business. What have I said that's made you feel as though it's not for you? Oh, we've gone on with that a bit. What's wrong with telling too much? Well, the danger in telling too much is the following. You might bring up material they hadn't thought of, about which they may object. You go rabbiting on through here and you say, and by the way, this is nothing like pyramid. Ah, what's pyramid? Shut up. Don't talk so much. You bring up stuff that they might object about. You confuse them. There's another thing. You might talk so much, you'll confuse people. I've interviewed person after person, who, and I said, do you understand the business when you first came into it? No. <laughs> I've done the bread. <laughs> but that never turned out. What about the business, hmm? Was it explained to you? Yeah, the bloke went on a bit. See, we tell so much, we confuse people. You might find that your person simply gets bored and loses interest. You make it too hard. You see, it's a simple business, As easy as pie. We make it complex by talking too much. I've said that asking questions saves time. Next, asking questions saves face. You actually don't tell the customer what they already know. I had a chap at my house the other evening and he was... Uh, I started the three-page planner presentation and I began to explain to him how the multiplication system works. He says, I know all this, I've seen this before. So I took a risk and I said, well, why don't you draw it for me? And he took great pride in going two times two equals eight times 16 equals 30. I said, you don't know the bottom bit? And he says, no, what's that? And so we had a chat. A conversation, and normally you don't give up your materials and let somebody take over your presentation. That's a pretty dumb thing to do. But I decided that I was not going to spoil the relationship we had by dictatorializing him on something he already knew. I was talking to a life superannuation representative the other day, and I talked to professional people about the fact that we need four kinds of things in our future. There's superannuation, we need our house, we need a bit of finance. Uh, some investment and we need need an income, like my tapes and books and royalties and things, or an income like this. And I didn't presume to go on to him about superannuation because he knew it and he knew the law, he knew how it was all falling apart. So you don't tell people stuff they already know. Ask them how much they do know. Tell me, how do you feel about superannuation, Bob? Yeah, well, you know, it's not as much as it used. Who knows what's gonna happen in the future? Yes, that's interesting. What are some of the things you've got planned for your future? You know, some little dreams and some hopes that you're going to do when you retire. He says, oh, well, super, we we definitely need an income. I say, yeah, well, you've worked it out, haven't you? So many people sit there and lecture everybody with the same script. Now, that's a good idea when you first begin, but notice what's happening So that as people's body language shifts, as they get up and go to the pub halfway through, that you're probably going on too much about something they might know something about. If you're getting around to doing a bread demonstration on a follow-up, the first question you must ask is, have you ever made bread before? Yes. Well, now that you know, don't go ahead and give them the whole truckload. Say, so what exactly have you experienced with making your own bread? And they tell you they bought it from you know Van the Bread Man or whoever who might have supplied them with stuff they'd need twice. And, and uh, you say, well, that's interesting. There are many things that are similar. Shall I just tell you the differences? Questions all the time. Questions. Shall I tell you the differences? Yes. So you explain the differences. Explain how the bread is made and. Explain where to rise it. Am I making this clear enough? Is there another place in the house where you think you could let the bread prove? Ask the question. Let the person become involved. Don't tell them stuff they already know. Do you know how plans like this work? Do you know how bank card system works? Do you know how a 008 line works? Don't lecture people. Ask them. And if they tell you they know, then simply summarize it in case they're telling fibs to get rid of you. If somebody says, Yes, we were involved in Soapsuds International once, you can say, Well, that's interesting. What did you like about that? Draw yourself a little heart. Here's some little figurine reminders. Can you see that? Draw a little heart. That's the first question you need to ask somebody who's been in a similar kind of business to ours. You say, What did you like about it? What did you love about it? Put an arrow through it if you like, just to remind you. Yes, I was in Soapsuds International, what did you like about that? All the products were good, they were unique, they were environmentally friendly. Is there anything Now you draw yourself a little sore. You say, is there anything you didn't like or you would have liked to change? Yeah, the bonus system wasn't that good, or I didn't like having to pay everybody in my group, or the bloke above me didn't always pay me on time. Is there anything else you'd change if you were in charge of that company? Yeah, you know, I'd change their delivery system. What do you mean? Well, I wouldn't have people going around on Wednesday night to pick up the stuff. I'd get it delivered to the door. You know, surely they could use couriers and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting, you say. Two simple questions, it's just a heart and a saw. I could go on and give you more, but that's not what I'm here for. They're two little reminders. Now, do you know some stuff? You're glad you asked? You know they know a bit, and you're not going to hit them with stuff they already know. Next, asking questions saves patience. This means that you don't tell the customer what they don't want to know. Now I know people need to know the whole bonus system and they need to know all about where Waylight comes from and who invented it and how it's sprayed right and put in the bags and I know they need to know how the bags work and how the bags used to bust but the bags don't bust now because the bags are wonderful and I know they need to know all about how when you get to 20% and the person when your group gets to 20% and and that's a breakaway director and then the company pays you 5% but if you do $10,000 a month you get 1% key bonus and... uh, Where did your husband go, dear? See, people don't want to know a lot of stuff. They need to know it, yes, I agree they need to know it. But people just don't want to know, and what they don't want to learn, they won't learn, folks. You wish they would, but they won't. Now, trying to ram it down their throat just doesn't work. Most Most pimply, yes, most people simply want to know what the product will do for them, how to start it, and how to stop it. Isn't it amazing when three people come to you and say, after seven months in the business, is there a book and tape program? How come we never heard about the book and tape program? And you say, (laughs) I told you 47 times. I've written it in the group newsletter.
1: It's in the magazine.
0: See, they just didn't want to know. No harm in telling them, but ask them what they do want to know. What is it that we're not getting through about today, dum dum? I mean, in person. <laughs> Come on, beloved group member. Just tell me what you need to know to help you get to the next stage. Oh, here's one. Here's one. We've told the group directors about it last night. <sighs> is there anything I'm doing as a leader that's getting in your way?
1: <laughs>
0: I dare you. Oh, that's not funny, that one. <laughs> Ah New South Wales people, you've had your moments haven't you this week? You're probably a little bit upset. Is there anything I could do as a leader that would improve your business? How can I help you do your work better? How can I get you that car you want? How can I get those children into the school? What can I do as a group leader? If somebody wants to know the technical background of something, for example yeah, what is this here Waylight stuff anyway? Most of us want to lecture, and we say, this is something I know. <laughs> Not too good on business building and all the bonuses, but I read something on Waylight.
1: <laughs>
0: I've read Don't Drink Your Milk. You're about to cop the truckload. <laughs> and so we say, Interesting thing about Waylight, you've ever heard of Miss Muffin? Little Miss Muffin son of a thumb at and Way. Well, interesting thing about Waylight, Little Miss Muffin's been living on that Way stuff for 400 years. I tell you, it's powerful stuff. And she's gone down in history. She's the only person who's sitting on a little stool eating and she's even scared of spiders, but don't worry, but didn't come from the Waylight. It's wonderful stuff. I tell you, there was this guy and he discovered this Waylight and out of came. It was wonderful. That's all the stuff you know about cheese Gouda cheese, cheddar cheese, nasty stuff, cheese full of fat, cholesterol, and boogies. But I tell you, Way is wonderful stuff. <laughs> Stunning, isn't it? Yes. Ready? What's this waylight stuff? Say, would you like to know the technical background? Say yes. yes.
1: yes.
0: <laughs> Shall I give you the full laboratory understanding or just skim the surface? Heard a little Miss Muffet? She's been living on it for 400 years. It must be good. Have I answered your question? What haven't I told you that you'd like to know? Isn't this simple? See, I'm dealing with you where you want to hear, not telling you where you don't want to hear. I'm not looking like an idiot and I'm not boring your hair off. The next thing is to say that questions keep control. You help more when you're leading the conversation. Robert Shuler said something interesting, never surrender your leadership to someone who needs your help. And ask the person who asks the questions is the person in control and we want that to be true. Let me explain one thing why we don't ask questions and why we feel we have to answer them. Firstly, in our Australian culture, we're a little different. We have a bit more British culture in us. And uh, way back from the early days of our culture, we've been driven to answer questions. Well, it comes into every family. I don't know whether you remember as a small child you went to Grandma's house, or you've taken your own child to Grandma's house, and Grandma uh, says to the child, and how are things at kindergarten, Collect? And in a spate of shyness, you hide behind your mother and dive between her knees and put her dress over your head. And then you feel this warm, loving sensation just behind your right ear and a voice saying, Answer, Grandma! (laughs) So you stagger out from between mum's knees and untangle yourself from her tresses and Stand by her left leg, and the loving voice and the tender touch says again, "Say nice," and you say, "Nice," and then again they say, "Don't be a suck, son."." and in the car on the way home, the counselling begins. If you want to get on in this world, when somebody asks you a question, square your shoulders. Look them in the eye and give them a fair, decent answer. Have you heard this little lecture before? <laughs> Have you given the lecture before? hmm Because good boys and girls look people in the eye. Interestingly, that's one of the reasons that our culture clashed with the Aboriginal people of, of Australia. The British people came here and they would say to the early Aboriginal people who had shared the farmer's sheep because they had shared their kangaroo so they'd gone and shared the sheep. The farmer would say, and oh, that's how it, that's, that's, that's the culture. And the farmer would say, Jackie, you steal my sheep? And the aboriginal person would look down and say, no nah, boss, you lion mongrel, Jackie, you stole my sheep. No nah, boss, never seen your sheep. Now if he hadn't stolen the sheep, he was telling the truth. But the boss would say, You're lying to me, Jackie, because you can't look me in the eye. Little did he understand that for an Aboriginal person to look a person in the eye was to be ill-mannered, to steal their spirit and to belittle them. But to the British person, it was to be a lying mongrel. Interesting, you see, we've clashed with all sorts of cultures over this very issue. And in in early days, we went out in just after the imprisonment of the convicts and as their children grew in the streets, they were called bad currency by one of the early writers. And the currency children of Australia developed an antipathy to law, to church, to army and to organisation and society because that had destroyed their parents and their homes. And they went into the bush seeking solace and friendship. Their sisters had been married into the wealthy families because there were so few women in the colony and the boys went away and spurned all those things that stand for authority. But they knew when the authorities spoke, they had to look him in the eye. Some of them would rather die than look in the eye. That's why we have as our national anthem a story of a man who committed suicide rather than go to jail for stealing a sheep. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting also that we have the highest suicide rate in the world, and our national anthem is about a suicidal thief. I find that fascinating, but that's beside the point. Uh, Where was I before I rudely interrupted myself? (laughs) These people went into the Boer War, to the First World War, and they learned that you look people in the eye. Now, they resented authority, but when they came out of the army, they became teachers, they went into schools, they became fathers, and they passed this stuff on. You look people in the eye. You look people in the eye. You answer people. When somebody asks you a question, you give them a decent answer. It's deep in our culture. The other thing that's in our culture is that we don't let children ask personal questions. A child toddles in and sees mother shaving under her arms in the shower, and the child stands and looks and says, Why do you do that? And some mother gives some lame reason about, you know, it's good for your health. Actually, she doesn't want to look hairy, but that's beside the point. <laughs> then she says, why don't daddy have under his arms? Well, because it's manly to have hair under your arms, says dad from the other room. A child thinks all this through. She says, does grandma have under her arms? And you say, no, no, I don't know. You go to grandma's house and in the middle of afternoon tea, a little voice out of the blue says, does say have underarms, Grandma? <laughs> or worse.
1: <laughs>
0: my mother discovered parts of the human anatomy she didn't know existed from my oldest child. She said, little boys shouldn't ask personal questions. And in the car you say, you naughty, horrible, little, rude, vulgar imp don't ask personal questions don't ask people questions like that which is why when we come to selling we look at the person and go to water when we should say when are we gonna start harry we can't do it because something deep inside us says it's rude to ask questions do you understand this is deep in our culture this is why we're so hopeless at it in america where we lived for a while, when the child says, "Do you wash out no aunts, Grandma?" Grandma says, "Wahnie cow, do you just come on in the shower when you stay tomorrow morning? I'll show you how it's done.")
1: <laughs>
0: that kind of freshness and delightfulness is encouraged where you find many American salespeople have no qualms about asking your personal questions, almost to the point where it's an affront to me, and I'm quite used to the idea. And living there, I'd find that ask me questions about our heritage, our home. We lived with one family for a few weeks, and they just peppered us with questions non-stop. And my kids even thought they were intrusive, but they were just inquisitive. It's not in our culture. So you see, when you can't ask a question and you talk too much, it's cultural, it needs to be broken. So let us do a little bit of breaking, can we? Jerry, could you come and help me for a sec, please? We're gonna do this little little role play here. We're gonna play a game where you answer a question with a question, without replying to the question, without repeating the question, and without changing the subject. Jerry, we'll do this, I just you ask me the questions. Rule one, demonstrating, no replies. Colin, how old are you? 22. Now, I lose because I lied, I'm actually 23, and... <laughs> I replied to his question. You understand? I didn't answer him with a question. Got it? I replied. I should have asked him a question but I didn't so I lose. Rule 2. How old are you Colin? How old are you? Now I answered him with a question, good boy, but I repeated his question so I lose. I'm getting there though. I'm asking a question in response to a question but I repeat it. So no replies, no repeats. You should be writing this down because you're going to play in a moment. (laughs) <laughs> and the last no non sequitur is no changing the subject. Colin, how old are you? Where do you live, Jerry? <laughs> now answer the question with a question, but I change the subject and it's irrelevant, so I lose again. <laughs> and try another one. How old are you, Colin? Why do you want to know that? Now again, change the subject, I lose. You've got it? No replies, no repeats, no non sequiturs. This is how it could sound as a conversation. Not an easy conversation, but it makes some sense as we go through. Can't find the line. Um, Here you go, sorry. It's over here. How many of you listen to the book and tape program? <laughs> this is what I put up with all the time. Freddy, <laughs> stand by Jerry Q. What am I talking about? <laughs> Do you go to the movies much? Am I or with the family? Have you seen a good one with the family lately? Ah, have you seen an American tale? Is that the one about the mouse? Hasn't that Spielberg got a great feeling for animation? Conversation. No replies, no repeats, no se- non sequiturs. Please stand up and find a partner. Oh no I don't do this, I've just come to observe actually. Stand up! (laughs) Now the question is, what did you get for Christmas? No replies, no repeats, no changing the subject. Ask the person what they get for Christmas, they must reply with a question. And you must reply with a question, and they must reply with a question, you must reply
1: with
0: a question. Can you remember more than Christmas? Right, no, that'll do. Hello. Stay standing. Stay standing. But this hour of the day, your underwear needs airing anyway. Let's um, put this to you. How far did you get? More than two questions? <laughs> One question. It's not really funny. Here's how it good go like this. What'd you get for Christmas, Jess? From Sandy or Caitlin? Did they both give you a present? This Christmas or the, the one before you met? Can you remember more than one Christmas? Uh, see, it's simple, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you answer a question with a question? Because it's in our culture. There's a little man there saying, answer the question. <laughs> Look him in the eye and answer the question. True? Yeah. Yeah. And there's another grandma there saying, don't
1: ask questions, don't ask questions.
0: <laughs> well, let's make it a bit easier for you. Sit down for a sec and uh, we'll finish with this little exercise. Here, new game, new rule. Oh, by the way, don't go to your next meeting or discussion and say, uh, hi, Fred, Mary, we're going to play a little game tonight. <laughs> you game, this game is where you give an answer and then ask a question, like a normal person. <laughs> Let's do the same one with the movies, give an answer, then ask a question. Did you go to the movie, you start with me.
1: That's different to last time.
0: That's okay, I don't mind, I've found a new piece in the book.
1: Okay.
0: How about I be the director and you be the talent? <laughs> Actually, I coined that one for John. Never used it on Jerry, but it looked as though it had a good effect. (laughs) Do do you go to the movies much? Oh yeah, every month or so we go with the kids. That's an answer. Question? Do you go much? Well, not really that often. When there's something good on, we usually go out to the drive-in. Do you like theatres or drive-ins? See, answer then a question. He gave a little bit. He didn't give the whole truckload. He just went so far then asked me if I was going to pay attention. No, I like theatres. It gives the kids a feeling of going somewhere special. There's my answer. Question? Do you like drive-ins? End of the conversation for now. Let's do another one. Uh, Pretend you're my secretary and we're talking about the company and your husband and so on. How does your husband's job going these days? Question?
1: Pretty good. They've gone through
0: a management buyout where all the managers got together and bought the company. Now, they've also gave their employees the opportunity to buy shares themselves. Have you thought about a profit share system for our company? There at the right time comes a question. It involves me. Keeps him in control. No, though the employees don't owe shares in the company, the sales team all get good commissions. Well, the bonus built in, too, if they meet the annual target. Does your husband get commissions as well? See, answer a little question. Well, he had the choice, to be either commission or shares, so he Is opted for shares because He's he, answering? he fancies himself as a bit of a corporate animal one day. But he can you see him there? strutting around the stock exchange in his little grey suit? I can. There you see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, no, 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 no. That was oh, just airing my hands. Uh, working with Jerry is a very sweaty experience. Uh, you never know when he's going to destroy you. Um, try that among yourselves. You don't have to stand up, but just turn to the person next to you and say, What did you get for Christmas? Let's do that. What did you get for Christmas? Red tie. Uh, give a decent answer. A red tie with uh, lots of blue on it. Now I notice that you're enjoying a better conversation style but you should notice two things. By the way, that should be practiced all the time. You should practice it non-stop. Uh, we had a sales manager who made us practice that years and years ago when I was with the uh, World Book Company and therefore we did the Royal Adelaide show or anything like that and he found us going on and on and on in answer to a question where a person might say uh, uh, these are American aren't they? And we'd say, oh well, that's interesting about the American. But he'd come up behind us and he'd pretend he had a cold and he'd go, Husk! Husk!
1: <laughs>
0: we should always do that around the office and around the home. Somebody says, where's the waylight? Do you need some waylight? Make it a game. Irritate the daylights out of each other until you get it drilled in your head that it's cool to ask questions. Please thank Jerry. he's a great champ. Two things become obvious to you while you're making that presentation, uh, while you're talking like that. The first is, did you notice, there's a two points of strain. The first is, gosh, have I talked too much? Is now the time to ask a question? Did you notice that? Little moment of tension arises. I've gone on a bit, I think it's time to ask a question. The second point of tension is, and what the ding dong am I gonna ask? <laughs> see how deep in our culture it is? You see what a problem it is to us? You see why we're doing this all the time? You see why we're not meeting people's needs? It's a simple thing, isn't it? Just remember that selling is a matter of not telling, but asking, and asking questions saves time, patience, face, keeps control, and it makes you listen. And here's a man that is worth listening to, because I have to say, one of the nicest things about my being involved in this company is that I've got Johnny Cakes as my (laughs) friend. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's thank
0: just as we're going to lunch, and I did ask Colin to bring uh, some of his material He got one hour, okay, uh, and there's sandwiches outside, we'll get to that. Uh, but listen, there's two products he's got, fantastic book for kids, folks' uh, tale about forgiveness and something about the billabong tales, just tell us a little bit about it. Uh, the Billabong Tales is a program that was uh, written in Australia. The songs were recorded in Australia, and we took it to California, where our producer is, and uh, produced w- this. There are five in the series. Uh, this is the first. It's on the theme of contentment. And uh, it threw five songs, two stories, a little interview with a uh, talking koala by the name of Ted. It... Uh... <laughs> And you have your bank card with you, don't you? <laughs> right. Let's thank Cole Pearce, he will be back later today. In case you didn't catch it, that was Jerry Crockford standing at the back of the room sneezing a big, loud ask. He certainly took me by surprise. You've been listening to Be So Good with Colin Pearce. For more episodes, check the playlist at colinpierce.com slash podcast. And don't forget to drop a review in the iTunes
1: listing.